following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Bank! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 37 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrump. And this is Stank. Stank, how are you doing on this uh, beautiful Easter Sunday that we're recording? Uh, you know, it's been... You know, here in Elgin, it's been a great day. We had a little sprinkling of rain, but uh, other than that, the temperature was great. I did some grilling. Uh, so we had some steak. We had some ham, some Polish sausage. How about you? Um, I spent my Easter painting with my uncle. He came by to the shop. Uh, we've we've got some PVC piping that will help with uh, preventing floods again. Those of you who are familiar with uh, the famous PWT flood of 2019 maybe 2020 i don't know star flooded a while back and it wasn't that fun so we we're fixing that but uh, i was spending some time with my uncle he was he was painting i was helping him paint he uh used to bring me painting with him when he was younger and it wasn't that fun because i wasn't allowed to actually paint so i was kind of just like moving things for everybody so that wasn't oh. fun but no i mean it's it's pretty chill uh I've I've been enjoying the the brand the the television that we finally got mounted here in our office. Yes, to, to I saw a picture. Looks good. Oh, I'll tell you what, I've been playing, I've been watching TV and uh, playing some God of War four on that, and it is beautiful. It is a giant uh, giant TV that once uh, once we get the studio up and running, we'll hopefully make for some for some fun content for us to uh, you know to watch stuff on, do watch alongs with, um, but. Uh, hey, if this is your first episode of the PWT cast, uh, you know, like we mentioned up front, I'm Scrump, um, that's Stank, and this is the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. Uh, we're officially sponsored by Freelance Wrestling, who unfortunately, because of COVID-19, doesn't have an upcoming show, but they actually presented their, their first live show the other day, which was uh, ironically an empty arena show from many, many years ago, uh, which was fun. If you head over to IWTV, you can catch that. Um, and hey, whether you're listening to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, wherever it is, uh, make sure to rate and review us. You know, we love reading those uh, those reviews. Every time I'm sitting on the toilet, I'm like, ah, oh, let me let me look at people talk about how much they just loving us. They love the dulcet tones of Dave and I. And uh, we actually sell some T-shirts. Uh, if when depending on when you're listening to this, you may or may not be able to purchase some of our t-shirts still for a whole ass 20% off using the promo code SPRINGFLING over at ProWrestlingTees.com. But I wanted to give a shout out to some of the people who went out of their way to purchase some of our t-shirts. Dave, uh, Dave worked super hard on uh, a few t-shirts. We, you know, uh, we put them out the PWT Kanji one, which I love. I love so much. You and I discussed. Uh, you did, you, listen, you did your due diligence. You did your homework and made sure that it, was as close to what it should say as possible and i was like yeah i was like how funny would it be if it said like i love barbecue sauce inside my shoes you know <laughs> well i was gonna do a version a joke version uh you know it said hosted by two idiots and but uh then if someone bought both of them they might not know which one was which so yeah uh, <clears throat> we may come out with a joke yeah we will we will i mean listen if you can't have fun, you know, if you can't have fun, then you're not living life yeah. right. But, but yeah, so we have some t-shirts over there. And, oh, dude, I was so overwhelmed with the amount of, like, sales that just, as soon as the sales, as soon as the sales started, um, I was, like, checking the email. And I was just like, oh, 
Oh, good. That first Lord. day. Yeah, first day <sighs> just crushed it. But I wanted to give out to a shout out to some of the friends of the show. We had our buddy Jeremy, who we met on the cruise. Um, yep. Tiffany, gotta love Tiffany. She's always, you know, she's always supporting us. Uh, Very talented. Yeah, our man Neil, all the way from over in Ireland. You know, he's yep. he's followed us over here from post wrestling, and I like that's just beautiful Irish accent that Neil. Uh, we had our buddy Joshua, uh, our buddy Maria from New York, who, God bless her, her and I were talking about Golden Girls earlier in the week, um, specifically the I don't know if you remember the one episode where they spray the liquid. There's like the liquid you can spray and it prevents fogging. Like people use it on oh, glasses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were specifically talking about that episode. I don't know why. I forgot what the context was, but, and, you know, that's what we were talking about. Uh, our buddy Brandon from New Jersey. Shout out Brandon. He's uh, he's a very swell guy. He, I love him. Uh, Jesse. Jesse just fucking racking up those PWT cash shirts. Yeah. This guy's got more PWT cash shirts than I do. Um, we had our buddy David, our brother, our yeah, our, you know, our brother Ryan Mears, who you know, yep. been down to the good brother, good brother, uh, and wishing a uh, birthday shout out to Dennis Day Jr., who also purchased one of our shirts. Uh, thank yeah, you. his birthday's actually next week. Well, happy Saturday. happy early birthday then, because yeah. Uh, I already said it. I'm not going to go back in and edit it. We're not taking it back. We're not taking it back. <laughs> but again, thank you to all you guys who, um, you know, purchase our t-shirts. It's, you know, it's very much appreciated, especially right now with, uh, with the way that the world is, you know, the fact that you guys want to spend a, a penny, you know, let alone yeah. several pennies, uh, on us. It's, it's much appreciated. And, uh, just want to say thank you. Yeah, and we love you guys. You guys are true friends of the show. Yeah, true friends of the show. Um, you too, Trevor. You're still a true friend of the show. Um, I love Trevor. Have you? I don't know if you follow Trevor uh, on yeah. Instagram. <laughs> I love seeing videos of him with his dog. Like one, yeah. of, one of my favorite things throughout this whole uh, quarantine has been people posting like fun things with their pets. Uh, oh yeah, all the pet stuff is super cute. I know people. People are a lot into TikTok. I'm, I'm, I'm not a TikTok guy. I was never a Vine guy, and none of those stuff. But I appreciate the people who take their time and you know, do all that stuff because a lot more creativity than I've got. Let me tell you that. Yeah, and we could use any bit of entertainment we can get right now. So. Yeah, I know. Like this week, uh, are you familiar with uh, with the Hulu show Dave? It's like the the little Dicky show. Yeah, I, I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah, I yeah, I've fallen, I've fallen just knee deep into that. It's, it, I don't, know, I don't know why I was so apprehensive at first to to start watching it, but I had a lot of people recommending it to me, and I was like, all right, let me start watching it. Lo- love the show. I'm in love with uh, the woman who plays his girlfriend on the show. Uh, mm-hmm. Who I, it took two episodes before I realized that it was not. Uh, Emilia Clark, who plays uh, Daenerys on Game of Thrones, but they they look very similar. They do. Yeah, and uh, along with watching Dave, I, I, I mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've been playing a lot of God of War four. Yeah, you you jump back into the gaming uh, sphere both feet, and uh, I'm kind of happy to see it. Oh, like this game? Well, like even to begin with, so a lot of people have this common misconception that I'm a video game guy. Yeah, I never listen. I had a Nintendo 64 with Donkey Kong 64, along with a Game Boy with Pokemon Red and Silver. So, 
the only three games I played growing up were those three games. But a lot of people are like, oh, I'm like, I never played that. And they're like, but what about, I'm like, also didn't play it. So I just, I don't know. I don't have this like emotional connection to a lot of these classic video games that, you know, a lot of people do your, your Mario's, your Final Fantasies, your Zelda. But like the games that I do play, I'm very committed to, you know, like the, the Kingdom Hearts games, the Bioshock games, God of War. I specifically remember, uh, which it's funny because if I do the math right, he was probably working there then. But uh, former guest of the show, Paul, Paul Jameson, one of my best friends, mm-hmm. he was working at a GameStop. And he's he has a few years on me, maybe about like five, uh, you know, five or six. Um, but he was working at a GameStop over, you know, near the area I grew up. And I would frequent that all the time. I'm sure I saw him there because he would have been working like at that sweet spot when I was just always there at GameStop. Um, but I, you know, there, there's no like specific memory where I'm like, oh yeah, you sold me this game. I remember going to uh, that GameStop with my dad and I was just like, ooh, I want this game. And he was like, all right, cool. And it was God of War, and the guy was like, "Oh, blah, 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 like you shouldn't be." And my dad's like, "What's this? Like, what's this guy saying?" And I'm like, "He's just being a nerd. Just give me the fucking game." And like, my dad got it for me. And I mean, I was like 14. You know, honestly, I don't think God of War has anything that a 14 year old shouldn't be watching. Well, I mean, to an extent, you know, I mean, well, actually, it can be a little explicit. It can, considering there's an orgy scene in that game. So yeah. But uh, listen, I'm a '90s kid. I was exposed to a lot, you know. Yeah. This was this we was, can handle it. This was pre 9 11 that I grew up. Post 9 11, you know. Yeah. It's a whole different breed of people. Um, but yeah, like I, I played the first game. I played the second game. I literally, I, I got out of school early one week. I'm, I'm sure I've told this story, but I'm gonna retell it again. Uh, there was one day I got out of school early, and I started working. Then I just I had all this money saved up and nothing to do, and. I was like at the bus stop waiting for the bus and there was like a God of War 3 like ad or something and I was like I should really go by God of War I should probably go by PlayStation 3 and God of War 3 to keep me entertained and yeah that's, that's what I did and I never finished the game because like I mentioned I I had started working at the time um but I recently picked up God of War 4 and phew, brother I am all in I am I am fucking Kota Ibushi and Rey Mysterio at the Sears Center uh, circa 2018, I am all in. Very specific reference. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that you know that's been keeping me entertained as well. What about you? Are there any any new TV shows that you've uh, started delving into? Uh, you know, oddly enough, while we've been in our little quarantine situation, I've been busier than ever. So, you know, we've got the pro wrestling tease stuff. We've got you know everyone was getting ready for the spring fling sale which we mentioned at the top of the episode. But also, uh, this has been long in the works, but we launched uh, Below the Collar, which is kind of like uh, every other tee other than pro wrestling. So we got like comedian tees, music tees, uh, podcast tees, which we should see if we should get on that too on there. But um, so like everyone's been uploading all their stuff. So I've been pretty much chained to a computer for the last uh, week, both me and uh, Stupid Michael. So um, I haven't watched too much new TV. Um, did end up watching the series finale of Shit's Creek, which was pretty emotional. If you guys like that show, I've still uh, I've still not watched that show. At least it's recommended to me umpteenth times. I've just 
I don't know. If yeah, it's it's weird because it's a Canadian comedy. You should like it. it's a Canadian comedy, but like it's got Eugene Levy, his son uh, Daniel, uh, Catherine O'Hara from you know Kevin McAllister's mom from Home Alone. And at first, I was like Shit's Creek. That's like a weird, like on the nose punny name and i was like uh, and i i resisted it and my wife started watching it and she's like you have to watch this so once i started watching i got hooked it's it's like one of the most wholesome inclusive comedies and it's genuinely good and they quit at the t- like very much at the top of their popularity so we saw the end of that that was pretty emotional mm. other than that I, I haven't really been watching too much t- i keep it up with westworld yeah tonight and- is uh I, don't, I gotta watch the episode tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the episode dropped yet. I'm so excited to watch it on this giant TV because oh, it, it's gonna be like, great. Everything looks the fir- the first thing I started watching on this TV uh, was the the scene from Avengers Endgame where everyone shows back up, you know, on your left mm-hmm. and then everyone shows up. Which yep. I I've just found myself getting so emotional in those like ten minutes, however long uh-huh. the scene is. Just yeah, well, so emotional. Um, but I like watched that on this TV and I was just like, holy shit. I'm like, this is, this is so, it, it's so crystal clear and just, yeah. Oh man. I'm, and on a big TV like that, you couldn't pick a bigger moment, right? So, exactly. Well, perfect. Well, I thought, I, I, so I thought to myself, I'm like, there's two things. There's only two applicable things I could watch in this, in, in this instance, the first being that Avengers end game scene. The second being the entirety of Mad Max Fury Road because oh, but a feast for the eyes exactly. <laughs> but I didn't have like an hour and a half to spare, so yeah. I watched that instead. Um, but yeah, it's uh, you know unfortunately we're all still in quarantine, and uh, you know everyone seems to kind of be adjusting to a little bit more. Um, I know that some people are still a little bummed out. Like today was a really nice day, and as much as I'm sure people would have loved to have been outside. Uh, trying to shove eggs up a bunny's butt or I'm not, I'm not too familiar with Easter. Easter was not a, a oh, you, thing that we celebrate in my family. Yeah, yeah. I, we, it's not, not a joke. Jet people out there. I, I, we've celebrated Easter once in my family and I don't know, just a bunch of heathens, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's, I've, I've been spending actually a lot more of my time reading, you know, reading comic books. Um, mm-hmm. I, I started to reread Watchmen just because. So good. Yeah, so, so again, I was like, maybe I should watch the movie, and then I was like, oh, maybe I should just rewatch the show, and then I was like, oh, I'm gonna reread the book because you got me the book for Christmas, and I just like, oh, yes. I was like, oh, this is so good, and then I was like, oh, let me start rereading it. Um, but and actually, what I was reading next will kind of tie into this week's guest. Uh, I was reading the the Luchaverse comics that we distributed through the Pro Wrestling Crate like a while. Those ago. are so good. Yeah, those are so good. And uh, that directly ties us into this, week, this week's guest. We had Kevin Kleinrock, who's uh, in charge of Mass Republic. For those of you guys unaware, Mass Republic is they they put out so much fucking so much cool merchandise and stuff for uh, a, a different luchadors that they represent. Most notably, Rey Mysterio, Pentagon, and Phoenix. And uh, yeah, we had the chance to talk to Kevin. Kevin was one of the first people who was like, "Oh man, if I ever get the chance, uh, you know, we should totally do an interview." And he was someone that I've wanted for a while. Like I know, yeah. uh, I went to like, what was it, like a few months back? Um, Frank and I went on a business trip to San Diego and I remember he, he had told me he was originally based out of San Diego. So I hit him up. I think he had just moved like a few days prior. So I was like, ah, bummer. But 
told him we would get him on and we finally got the chance to talk to him and uh a little longer of a conversation than I thought we would have, but I, I but it was good. Oh, it was so good. Yeah. I, I literally looked down and I was like, Oh my God. I'm like, I, we've taken way more of your time than I originally promised. Um, he's definitely someone that like, and again, that happens all the time. We have a really fun interview where I'm like, we're going to bring him back. Yeah. This guy, oh. there's definitely still stuff left to be said. Yeah. Like we briefly, like he worked for XPW for those of you who are aware of XPW. Um, they were just like a, a rival promotion to ECW back in the day. And, didn't even didn't even touch on that you know just because there's so much other like fun stuff we were talking about um so definitely something we're gonna have back on again but hey let's uh let's just go ahead and get on with her hey let's just go ahead and get to our interview uh with kevin kleinrock all right david i don't know if you remember but right around the time that we we started this podcast we kind of discussed like internally like oh who should we have on because the one thing that we wanted to bring with this podcast was let's talk to the people uh behind the wrestling merch you know not just the wrestlers but the companies as well and one of like immediately because i believe it was right on time we started doing more stuff with this company we thought of master public and we were like, oh, yeah, you know, that'd be fun. And then funny enough, like when we first started posting things up, uh, we, you know, I exchanged uh, some messages on the Instagram back and forth with uh, with the Mass Republic account, which we're like, yeah, you know, we should we definitely got to get together. We got a podcast. I believe when I went down to San Diego, I was like, are you still in San Diego? Let's podcast. Uh, but this gentleman was like, nope, I'm no longer in San Diego. So unfortunately, we, were, we weren't able to do, uh, you know, person to person interview. Uh, but we got lucky enough that uh, we we have this gentleman with us on the phone right now, uh, Kevin Kleinrock. The you know he runs Mass Republic. He's done a, a litany of things. Like I actually I actually knew of him prior, uh, and he'd been mentioned to me before by a friend of the show, uh, Dr. Keith Lipinski. Uh, and so yeah, without any further ado, let's introduce our guest this week, Kevin Kleinrock. Kevin, how you doing? Great. Thank you. I, uh, as much as I would have loved to do the in-person interview and as much as no one wants to be uh, quarantined, uh, this is working out just fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's worse ways of spending this quarantine than uh, being on a podcast. I've kind of come yeah. to learn, you know, as much as <laughs> like kind of the same thing with Dave and I were like, oh, man, we really wish we could talk to, you know, so and so and so and so in person. It's like. Yeah, but the upside is that we're all able to just talk on the phone and we're all still healthy and yeah, you know, able sure. to do this. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're in we're in the midst of this pandemic right now. Uh, as as a company, how have you guys been kind of dealing with that? Because like I know, I mean, with us, it's been like easy. I mean, not easy. I, I but it's been easier because. It's a lot of online business, so we don't have to, you know, sure. deal with any people. I imagine it'd be similar with you guys. Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, obviously, we're all very lucky um, at this point to be healthy, um, and uh, everyone's immediate families are healthy. So we're hoping that that will continue. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, overall, our business. I mean, we're we're just as busy right now as we've been there's so many different moving pieces of what we're doing so it you know um there are no complaints about a shortage of things to do um and i think that uh the licensing that we do outside of our current kind of online sales 
there's definitely a lull in the licensing industry right now, um, including Licensing Expo, which is the big annual convention in Las Vegas where people go to kind of try to make new licensing deals. Uh, that got pushed back now from May to August. And a lot of companies do have freezes on signing new licensing agreements at this point. Um, but we have managed to pick up a couple new licensees um, as well during this period. So, you know, we really cannot complain at this point. And for those uh, unfamiliar with Master Public, like you guys work with so many luchadors because I know like that's that was kind of my introduction where it was like, oh, hey, how come, you know, Pentagon and Phoenix don't have any merchandise with us? And it's like, well, they sell merchandise, you know, through this company. And you guys put out so many cool stuff. Like I love the uh, the action figures. Like yes, uh, yeah, the action figures. Well, they're not. Yeah, because, um, like before. I mean, we're luckily right now we're in an age where before, if you wanted like a you know like a Pentagon or a Phoenix uh, figure, you would have to find you know have to find mixed parts of other figures and kind of just paint it by yourself and do it on your own. But we're lucky now where like a lot of companies are starting to get their own toys. You know, you don't have to just uh, focus on the WWE ones. So that's always like, that's always been like pretty cool to me where I'm like, Oh hell yeah. And especially one of my favorite things is, and it's just like the, I mean, maybe Dave, you can speak to this too, but because we're just so into the world of like merchandise, it's like when, when another company puts out something cool, it's like, Oh shit. Like, even though we're not the ones putting out, I'm like, that, mm-hmm. lo- that looks pretty that looks pretty cool yeah, yeah when, me, when i saw those figures uh i was like wow that first of all like a lot of companies put out action figures and they're kind of so-so but like i saw like the pictures on instagram i was like wow these are really sweet these are really uh great articulation on them so i thought they were pretty cool yeah i mean so even so, so taking a step back to the very first thing you said i mean master public in terms of the representation of the talent for merchandising, our merchandising efforts really started about, I mean, almost like 10 years ago now when Ruben and I first came together. So Master Public existed as a company before I got involved. Um, and it literally was a mask making company. Ruben uh, had a relationship with uh, a lot of the luchadors and a mask maker in, in uh, San Diego. And so they were making masks for Psychosis and gear for X-Pac and Adam Pierce and Brian Danielson. And, um, so when I joined him and we decided to expand to television production and live events and things like that, we wanted to keep the Mask Republic name because it's just such a cool name. So, uh, But the first thing we did was, I mean, because bootleg culture is so prevalent in mexico like wrestlers didn't even really understand a lot of times their rights of no people can't just make shirts with you or your masks or this or that because it's just accepted as part of the culture they go to an arena and there's people selling stuff for them outside and on one hand it's an honor they're like i've made it this far people are selling stuff of me um but the other side of it was there was not a really easy way for fans in the united states or outside of mexico to buy official merch they wanted to buy merch but there was no way to do it so we just started out with the basics like silk screening shirts and selling shirts for you know damien and and uh la familia tijuana or conan or um who were some of the earlier clients too a lot of those those kind of tj based luchadors um and then 
just about three years ago, we decided to change that business model and go more into the general licensing space, not just doing our own apparel, but doing apparel other places, doing toys, doing things like that. Um, obviously, when PWTs came along, that changed the entire pro wrestling industry and the merch industry. Um, I still think people don't realize what a huge impact it had, uh, not only uh, for, for companies, for talent, um, just, you know, it, it literally was a game changer. Now, you see companies in other sports and other ventures, like there's a company called Breaking Tees. Breaking Tees focuses on like NFL and Major League Baseball and all these sports. And they're a great company. And their whole motto is like, you know, someone can come up with something and or say a, a line on a TV show or at a sports game today and tomorrow it's on a shirt. And it's like, well, Pro S&T has been doing that for like five plus years now, you know. Um, and so it, it's it really was was groundbreaking. And so um, the big thing with us is and why you kind of, you know, even with like Boss Fight and the toys is we're really the only company out there that's not a wrestling promotion that is doing officially licensed merchandise of wrestlers. If you're in WWE, they'll do your merch. If you're in AEW, they'll do your merch, Impact, etc. cetera. Um, but we really went out and created an NFL Players Association type of organization where talent can sign with us. We'll represent them in their contract negotiations. We'll represent them in their licensing. We'll represent them in their whatever they need representation in um, and work with them to build their brands and to do deals. And so especially now, we've got this great, unique relationship with um, Penton Phoenix where they were signed with us. They went to AEW. We helped negotiate their deals with AEW. AEW has non-exclusive merchandise rights for all of their programs but we also have the rights for pent and phoenix to continue to monetize for them um outside of that so it's it's unique and it's new and it's exciting and so um we are looking forward to seeing what else can be done and yeah when it when it comes to the figs that's that's the big difference i think right now we are i hands down i will i will put my money on this i'll put everything on this these are the going to be the best non- league or promotion action figures ever seen in the wrestling space and even beyond that i these are going to be the best lucha libre figures that have ever been done um boss fight studio who is our partner on the action figure line it's all people that came out of hasbro they were toy designers at hasbro they worked on star wars and gi joe and transformers and all these lines and then they started their own company um a few years ago and so we're really lucky to have uh, teamed up with them we have a lot of the same sensibilities. They are wrestling fans. Some of the designers there, um, we are toy fans. And so we're, we're really excited about the line that will fingers crossed, uh, still first drop this summer, um, in August with the, uh, Penta and Phoenix figures. You can definitely tell by just like looking at the figures. I know Dave, you know, you're more of a, of a toy man yourself, but like yeah. just the detail, <laughs> like I remember you posted like the, uh, it was, uh, some convention it might have been like the the new york one the like the exclusive mm -hmm. ones and just like again it's just like looking at details where it's like oh yeah and then you guys throw in the accessories too which like i when i when i got into wrestling i was still somewhat playing with toys and 
whether you know the one thing that would dictate whether or not i bought like the the figures was does it come with some sort of you know accessory whether it was like a title belt or sometimes it was like random like random titles that the wrestlers didn't even hold but i was like it's okay right. I'm, like, I'm like i'm still gonna get it because i know i have this other figure at home and it, it came with this uh but you know i think one of the things that as comes to merch that you guys have like a leg up on people uh are the luchaverse comics like those mm-hmm. are those are some of my favorites i know we uh we distributed one of them through the through the pro wrestling crate that we do and like i, I remember when we did that i was just like because i i was the one putting them in the box i'm like man it, it was the lucha brothers one right yeah so you you guys did the lucha brothers one and then we also did the complete collection trade paperback of all five of them um with the crate um and yeah so so for me you know when i look at where we're going and what our plans are with mass republic as a business you know we've really moved away from the kind of traditional putting on wrestling shows right i mean the independent wrestling scene is incredible right now there are so many people out there doing so many great shows so for me the business has always been about what niche or what role can we fill that's not being filled and so uh, we don't really have a desire to go out there every week and put on or every month and put on a wrestling show yes we started expo lucha as a separate kind of business venture because we wanted to create this comic con of of lucha libre and to be able to do these special uh conventions with live wrestling shows but in terms of you know kind of putting on monthly shows like a promotion that's not where we're at i'm much more interested in figuring out how do now we take Lucha Libre and take it outside of the ring and into other kind of transmedia representations of that. And one of those was creating the Luchaverse. Um, you know, for a lot, like, there's a rich tradition of Lucha Libre films and, and movies from the 60s, 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, and to me, it's been a huge missed opportunity from Hollywood to not be capitalizing on blending kind of, lucha films and modern day luchadors and modern day cinema and so seeing all these comic books that were getting developed into film and tv we decided you know what let's go that route let's try to see if we can take this first to the pages of comic books and then go from there into kind of filmed entertainment and so um but everything we do here is very well thought out and very well um Uh, It's structured, so we found the right partners to create these comic books with, got great writers, great artists. You know, we we had an opportunity, you know, do we take this to Kickstarter or do we figure out kind of how to fund this ourselves and try to make a go at this? And we went that route. Um, And so we're really proud of what's been put on the page so far and excited about hopefully, uh, you know, the continued expansion of the Luchaverse. And and really, the thing that's different with what we're doing versus what a lot of other people do. And that's not just for the Luchaverse, but for some of the other kind of entertainment properties that we're developing is we have the actual Luchadors. So any, I mean, you know, there are no unique pitches in the world in terms of, you know, everyone's, not everyone, but lots of people have pitched a Lucha Libre show or a Lucha Libre cartoon or, you know, Lucha Lucha existed and um, Nacho Libre existed. But that one additional element other than our creative ideas that we have is we've got these icons and superstars of lucha libre where some of our projects they're the focus of some of our projects they're kind of the guest stars in but we have those those 
icons and the family legacies of Lucha Libre. Um, and that's what we've been able to bring to the Luchaverse so far. So we're excited for that to continue. Well, well that's that's really kind of like like the genius of the whole thing. Like, I'd say over like the last ten years in uh, in America, at least, like Lucha Libre has become part of the pop culture conversation. And you're right. Like every time you see something, it's kind of like a generic representation of what you know a prototype Lucha Libre character would be. But um, the fact that you guys are really homing in on um, advocacy for the wrestlers, one, and then going out there and saying, hey, we can do something, and this is an actual person that you could see performing somewhere, I think that gives you guys a leg up. Yeah, I, I, and I think, too, you know, also we have the ability down the road to reverse engineer that where we can be creating characters on the pages, and then because of our relationships with promoters, whether it's, you know, from AAA on down – you bring somebody from the pages of the comic book into real life, much like it you know, happened in the classic Lucha comic books where people were, nece- were necessarily introduced in the ring first. Sometimes they were introduced on the pages of the comic books or even like in Japan with Tiger Mask. Tiger Mask came mm-hmm. out of manga before he was a wrestler. A lot of people don't realize that, but that's you know the way it, it happened. And it makes sense too because with the wrestling as a whole – like at its core that's what it is it is a comic book you know you have these outlandish characters that fight in these very uh specific outfits that are very colorful and it's always good guy you know the good guy always comes out of, uh, on top you know at the end of your story it's always it's always going to be told differently but for the most part you know you don't read it uh an issue of of superman or, or captain america and you know it ends like it's about the way it's always been told or it's said is comic books are the beginning and the middle of a story it's never really the end and typically when it's the end it's not even really the end (laughs) you know like even if you have a even if uh you know rick flair he retires and you're just like oh what a wonderful what wait what is he doing oh he's coming back out of yeah oh retirement Uh, but, I mean, it makes sense. You know, like wrestling, you know, you have someone like Johnny Gargano who, like, you see that comic book influence. And there is just so much of that comic book influence in so many, like, of these newer wrestlers. So it makes sense that you guys would do comic books on them, especially with characters, you know, like Rey, Myst- Rey Mysterio and Penta and Phoenix. And, like, if anyone if anyone's listening to this and they haven't actually, like, read them, like, go out of your way because, like, they're pretty fun. You know, like, again, I... Well, and- and- Oh, sorry. I was going to say for for us, the thing was, you know, these these aren't wrestling comic books. That's the first thing that like anyone listening right. who has not read them needs to understand. This wasn't like WWE comics or WCW comics where it was like let's try to make a story that kind of fit. No, these are action adventure comics, um, uh, horror comics, uh, sci fi conspiracy theory comics. The story of the comic came first. It just so happens that the lead star is a luchador um but that's the other thing that separates kind of like our entire entertainment world that we're creating from the comic books all the way down to uh children's animation it's all based around kind of the specific notion that a luchador fighting in the ring is just their day job so to speak and that the true calling of the luchador is as this monster hunter earth protectorate um and that's kind of a key to the story world throughout the Luchaverse and, and everything else that we're doing. But so, yeah, you, you're getting a full-on 
well-crafted story that's going to be entertaining. Um, and rarely is there even a, a frame or a panel in the comic book that features a wrestling ring or a wrestling match. It's just kind of only if it's referencing what they're kind of doing outside of the main story. So, Which, like, and you mentioned it earlier, like Hollywood's just been, you know, they've been missing the boat on incorporating because there was so many of uh, like I like I grew up uh, in a family. I'm a Mexican, and I remember it would just there would be those movies. It would be like a, like a Saturday afternoon. You know, you have these movies with these like luchadors, and it was always just like, is are we not going to address the fact that this guy's wearing a mask? And they're like, no, 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 no. That's you know, but yeah, that's, that's who he is. Yeah, especially with again yeah. how wrestling i mean it, it's just gotten back into into the mainstream like i'm waiting for that like i've always like it's always been one of my biggest complaints my biggest gripes especially with like wwe where when they put out movies it's always uh they kidnap the protagonist's daughter uh wife pet something and it's like no just you have all these personalities just do a movie where you know the lead just happens to be you know one of your do a movie with ray mysterio and just don't address the fact that he's a wrestler. Be like, oh, yeah, I'm a wrestler. But just have it be, you know, something funny, something creative. Because like you mentioned with the yeah. comics, it's not just, uh, oh, you know, here's this issue. How are we going to solve this issue? Wrestling. Like, it's... No, exactly. No, there's you know. none of that. That will never be in the pages of our of our comics. Um, yeah, that's not to say that we wouldn't potentially... Like, one of the kids' properties that we're developing um, is a little bit more in line with that. But there's also a fine line and when you're developing a kid's property, it's, it's just this really weird uh, kind of dichotomy when you're pitching a kid's network or something where the violence in power Rangers, where they're kicking and punching and throwing each other, that's okay because they're superheroes or whatever. But if you were to try to do that same pitch about wrestlers, you would automatically get told, nope, can't do that because kids are going to go on the playground and replicate this if people are kicking and punching res- you know, wrestlers and they're wrestling. And it's like, it's the same stuff the Power Rangers are doing. But so we we have to find creative ways when it comes to the, the kids' properties to be like, well, it, and it works well to me within Lucha Libre because we have these fantastical characters and you have all these crazy kind of high-flying acrobatic parkour type of things where they don't necessarily have to be your know, traditional kind of kicking and punching, even if there's some sort of action or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's story, story, story first. Um, and let's, let's use those luchadors as the stars. Um, I mean, look, I think people missed the boat regardless of what anyone thinks about like the career or the, the life of Alberto Del Rio or Alberto El Patron. Dude, that dude should have been James Bond in some WWE film. Yeah. I mean, there was a huge oh, yeah. market there for that, where they could have made him this cool, uh, you know, suave, uh, Mexican spot. I, honestly, I believe there could have been a whole franchise, you know, around something like that. But it's just, it, it seems like missed opportunity. But that's what we're here to capitalize on. Hopefully, eventually, uh, you know, we'll keep saying these things and, and the right person's going to hear it and, and we'll be off to the races. You've been talking a lot about like different things that you're working on and, and trying to develop. Uh, I know one of the things that you worked on earlier in your career was uh, Wrestling Society X, um, which was because 
I I got into wrestling a little bit later. I got into wrestling probably around like 2004, and it was a lot of like just discovering what wrestling was. You know, like in my mind, WWE and WCW were the only wrestling ever, along with like lucha libre stuff that like either like local shows around here that I would go to with like relatives or just knowing, you know. But then it was like discovering independent wrestling and then like going on to MTV and I'm like, what, what's this? I'm like, oh, and just like years later, like people are still talking about it. Like I remember when, uh, when we started printing uh, shirts for Wrestling Society X, like it was one of those things where everyone in the shop was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> and uh, we used to have like a giant TV in the back where we just watch movies, watch TV. And I like, how can we find this? Where, where can we watch it? Um, yes. What, what was it like working on that? Because um, it only lasted about a season, correct? Yeah. So on TV, it was super short. On TV, it was, I think, it was either only five or six weeks um, because they they ended up marathoning the last episodes. But for my life, it was a year of my life plus um, because we, it's been so many years. I'm not going to remember the exact timeline, but we pitched, it got picked up for pilot right away like same day we pitched it which really skewed my um my my understanding of the tv industry because that was the first show i ever pitched and it got the pilot green light the same day and then for the rest of my career that i mean that doesn't normally happen yeah. uh it never happened again um and so we pitched it we shot the pilot in november of uh it would have been two thousand and uh, i don't even remember now the dates but 2006 or whatever um and then it got picked up for series and we shot the series in february no we shot the pilot in february shot the pilot in february we shot the series that later that year in like november i think and then it aired at the beginning of the following year so and then and even after we shot it um it was months and months and months because the whole thing with wsx was it was not done like a wrestling show it was done like a television show so you know producing wrestling television you're essentially shooting content editing up for a few days putting it on week after week after week but because this was done like a traditional television show each episode that was only a half hour episode had like five weeks in the edit bay with multiple rounds of notes from executives and um it was quite a process that really was very not much the norm in wrestling, but it was very much norm in TV. It also made the budget for the show super high, which um, worked out, I guess, in our favor because we were getting a portion of the budget because that's how the executive producer fees and stuff work. So, um, but it, it, it was, I mean, at that point in time, I was in my late, 20s and i had a television network half a million dollars behind my version of wrestling i mean it was a dream come true so even as much as getting canceled after a few weeks sucked and you know the the whole process in the end wasn't what we had hoped it would be i'd still do it over again in a heartbeat you know um it, it was no nobody gets that opportunity um and so it, it was it was really interesting and i mean i just to me, despite what, especially at the time, was a lot of 
of negativity towards the product because it was this insane MTV version of what they wanted pro wrestling to be. Um, I was still really proud of the talent we brought to television for the first time. You know, um, a lot of wrestlers who were known on the independents but weren't necessarily known globally were first kind of seen on that show. Um, if you go back and watch the actual like storylines and progression of the angles week to week, it's very much, it's there. There's very much thought in everything. Every storyline continues and flows and makes sense. There's continuity through it all. Um, and so, yeah, really proud of it. And, uh, I'm glad that people still fondly remember it. <laughs> it's very interesting how, how you said it kind of skewed a version of how TV works because, like I think that's that's the ultimate like wrestling fans dream where it's like I got an idea for this wrestling TV show I'm gonna go pitch it to MTV you know to MTV and they're like oh my god yeah when do you want to start when can you start <laughs> you know especially it would... go ahead what I was saying I mean the, it was there was a lot of different circumstances that led to that right so um, uh, going back a little bit further so of xpw from the beginning um wrote produced xpw from day one through the end and then the company that bought the assets of xpw became the company that um i worked for big vision entertainment and the ceo of big vision was a former mtv exec who was going to mtv to pitch another show and i was like hey if we ever get a chance i've got this idea um and we literally went and we cut together xpw highlights and a warp tour video and said this is our vision for pro wrestling and my pitch to mtv at the time was you guys have done so much for wrestling from day one from the war to settle the score back in you know the 80s which launched wrestlemania to having you know sunday night heat on your network but you guys have never been able to actually take advantage of wrestling beyond whatever rating you were getting and you have all these shows that are big successes, you know, The Hills and Jackass and this and that, but you can't make an arena tour out of this and you can't make toys out of that. What if you and us uh, came together and we we made this wrestling company? And at the time, another lesson I learned um, is that you can't convince the television executive side of these things really that they should be worried about anything other than the TV ratings where basically what I pitched to them was what the Bellator model is today, where, where CBS Viacom owns Bellator with Scott Coker and they own a piece of the arena shows and they own a piece of the merchandising. And that's what I had pitched. But the people that we were talking to really, they all they cared about was the ratings because that was their job. They weren't going to make another dime or they weren't going to, you know, have any real benefit if this thing went on pay-per-view or if this thing went and toured. So, um, I, that was part of why there wasn't as much support, uh, I think for it, you know, I, I, everything that AEW is doing and obviously, you know, um, as basically Penton Phoenix's representation, um, I want nothing but the most success for AEW. Having said that, I'm very jealous of AEW because the support that TNT has given them has been absolutely mind blowing. And our situation with WSX and it's like, we couldn't even get cross channel promotion on spike during impact wrestling. 
to like go watch this other wrestling show that was part of the Viacom family. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, it was the best of times, worst of times <laughs> kind of a deal, but certainly, you know, a dream come true for, uh, anyone who grew up as a wrestling fan and who I started working in the business when I was 16, um, after deciding at 12 that I wanted to work in pro wrestling and I was going to make that my career. And so it you know, started at 16. Um, it was, it was my last year of college. So I was like 20, 2021 20, when XPW started. And then it was, uh, I was probably, I was in my late twenties when we did wrestling society X. Um, and it was, it, you know, I, I definitely worked my ass off. Uh, every step of the way but certainly got lucky along the way too and it was it was absolutely a, a dream come true it definitely seems like it's one of those situations where uh and like cody says it all the time like as cheesy as it is like do the work and it pays off because for i mean how many how many 12 year olds you know have said like I, professional wrestling is going to be how i make a living uh, you know, be it through a wrestler or just being in, in the world of wrestling, you know, like everyone always has always had like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get some, some corporate job. I'm going to, I'm going to work, make my living through wrestling. And like the very few people that actually do get to, you know, do that. Like it sounds, it very much sounds, you know, like you're so grateful for all that because just the way you speak about it, you know, where, Hey, it, you know, it, it would have helped a little bit uh, if, you know, Viacom would have supported you a little bit more, but it definitely doesn't sound like there's any regret, uh, you know, through that whole process. Um, and even being able to, like, see, like, oh, TNT is doing so much for AEW because, like, that is crazy to me, too, somehow, you know, because even when, like, Impact was uh, on Spike, didn't really feel like uh like it was a big thing there's a big thing being promoted but mm -hmm. with impact like you know like when the theaters were still open like i remember going to to watch a movie and it's like tnt you know we have this this and that and here's aew wrestling and i'm just like what yep. like what is this like because you don't even see things like that with wwe which they don't necessarily need because they're more of a household name by now but i definitely think uh for the longest you know it was another billionaire and with a television company needs to, <laughs> you know, try to compete with Vince and it's even stepping back sometimes. Cause you mentioned it, how pro wrestling tees, uh, has kind of changed things, you know, and Dave oh, yeah. and Dave and myself, we see that often. Like when we go to shows specifically the AEW shows and you kind of just look around and it's like, man, like it's crazy. You know, it's crazy that like, I don't, I don't think people, yeah, and I say it all the time. I mean, but I, I really don't think people understand, a lot of people understand the impact that PWTs. I mean, I cannot think of another company. I mean, really, there's not. There's not a single company outside of PWTs that has had more impact um, on the business in the last decade. Um, you know, just in terms of not just for the business overall, but for the individual talents and promotions. And uh, there's absolutely hands down nobody that has done more positive um, for the business as well. You know, you had talents who literally were able to finally quit their other jobs and be wrestlers full time 
in part because of the revenue they were making off their PWT sales. I mean, that that can't be overlooked. You know, um, you know, everything that Ryan and everyone else there has done it, positive for the business um, is truly, truly amazing. And the thing is, too, it's like I think that there was probably an opportunity along the way, especially in a business like wrestling, where you don't always have the most, you know, honest people <laughs> um, because it just kind of breeds uh, the ability to scam people. But you know, I'm sure that there was a point along the way where Ryan could have decided to make things better for him. Um, and, you know, he could have been like Amazon and, and instead of continuing with the pricing, the way that he, that they were doing, could we have a, we have a deal also with Amazon for um, direct to garment printing, just like PWTs. Uh, but, you know, Amazon will shift pricing and shift percentages a lot more often. Um, and, you know, I, I think Ryan has shown that, that they, he and, and everyone at PWTs appreciates the support that wrestlers and the fans have given. Um, and it's just created this beautiful uh, system where uh, everybody can, uh, can benefit and no one has to lose. I, well, that's, that's the, like, that's the interesting thing is like, a lot, I think a lot of the younger wrestlers understand it better only because of the shop or they had, you know, an older company just do their merchandise for them. They didn't realize that there were like these opportunities. And, you know, like you said, wrestling can be a little bit of a carny business and there's shady stuff that happens. And so I think like a lot of the older wrestlers are a little guarded when it comes to that thing. Like, like, how are you going to screw me this time? Right. But well, um, I think there's, I, I, we see it the same way, you know, with, with a lot of the older luchadors, like the younger luchadors, right. super easy. The older luchadors, there's a, there's a few factors playing into it, right? One of them is just straight up trust, right? Like, right. wait a minute, you're gonna, I'm, you're just gonna upload art, and they're gonna print and sell shirt. How am I gonna know how many are sold? How am I gonna, you know? And you, you think it's hard convincing someone to go on PWTs, you know, when it, when it comes to like an actual retail deal where they're getting, you know, ten percent of the wholesale price of a shirt, which means that like they're getting a dollar or whatever it is for sale. And their shirts are going to be in stores across the country. That's a huge, you know, trust issue. But it's like, you know, oftentimes we have to be like, look, this company works with Disney. This company works with, you know, I guess before with Lucasfilm. This company works with all these major companies. If they weren't on the up and up, then those big companies wouldn't be doing business with them. There has to be a little bit of trust. And I think, you know, the fact that you guys now have the Hulk Hogan's and Steve Austin's and uh, you know, the the families of Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant who are giving you guys permission to run their stuff. Yeah, I'm sure that that really changed a lot of it um, in terms of the outside perception. But I think, yes, for a lot of the there's still that, you know, people are used to going to a show, you know, printing a shirt for four dollars or five dollars, going to a show, selling it direct to the customer for twenty dollars and picking up 16 bucks a shirt. So having to kind of change that model. Um, the greatest part, obviously with the whole PWTs or in general, the direct to garment printing model is you don't have to have inventory. You don't have to have, you know, you're not having to put your money out for that product. I mean, even with a PWT store and even doing some of our other stuff, we were still running luchashop.com and doing a lot of our own merchandise still, um, because of those profit margins, because it's nice to be able to pick up, you know. $16 a shirt or whatever. Um, right. especially when for mass Republic, we're giving the, the majority of what comes into the luchadors and not keeping it for ourselves. Um, but 
it's just gotten to the point where between our PWT store and some of our other deals out there, not having to handle the shipping and the, you know, yeah, any, of the fulfillment. The, the, any of it. Right. Um, yeah. You know, cause, cause master public really, you know, when it comes down to it, it's still just Ruben and myself. We have a great network of people that work with us on various other projects and properties, but it's just myself and Ruben. We both at the moment still have corporate jobs outside of master public. And so, you know, trying to figure out on top of everything else, having to, you know, ship these orders and do this and do that. Um, it's just so much nicer now that we 99% of merchandise focus on licensing, um, which we consider a PWT is really a licensing relationship for us mm-hmm. um, because it, it is what it is in the end. Um, they're licensing the, the property and paying a royalty. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been much, much nicer for us. And it's, it's great. Like it's great. The, the, with a lot of the other licensing that we do or anybody does, it's not a monthly payment type thing. It's quarterly and it's, you know, extensive reporting and this and that. And with, with the PWT system, the way that people kind of just get paid on the first of the month automatically by PayPal. Um, I'm sure that especially with the, with the older wrestlers, first you have to explain what PayPal is and then get into <laughs> the, you get paid that way. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Touching on what you said with PayPal, uh, I won't name who it is, but there is definitely one wrestler, and I'll tell you after we get off this, who uh, <laughs> refuses to learn any of that stuff, and we have to send them a money order check to like the middle of nowhere. Uh, but I, I, think one of the things that, I don't doubt that at all. Yeah, but one of the things that uh, you know works in I think the wrestlers' favor is that Ryan Ryan treats them all like the way he treats like his employees. You know, I think it's fair for I I speak for David and myself. Like this is hands down like the best job we've ever had and like the oh, yeah. best boss you know that we've ever had. Uh, you know, like the way he treats us is just like oh cool. Like we're just we're not just like another spoke on the wheel. Uh, we're very much someone you care about and like that's the way he is with all of his wrestlers you know um obviously you know like cody the bucks all, all those guys who he communicates with more you know it's it's easier to to come in contact with them but i i know before there's been in the past where he's like hey um do you know who this you don't know who so-and-so is you know i'm like do i like do i know who walter is i'm like yes i'm i'm very familiar with who walter is and he's like okay he goes yeah you know i see he's selling a lot like he's someone that's popular and a lot of the times, too, you know, it, it's us, the staff, who he's lucky that if he has an idea for, like, hey, is this something cool? You know, he can just go ask the people that work with him who purchase these kinds of things, who enjoy this, as opposed to, you know, if you're just if you're working somewhere where you're just developing this. Like, and I feel a lot of the times, you know, like WWE, the, the people who design their shirts mm-hmm. get a lot of crap. But I just I don't think it's wrestling fans designing that stuff. You know, it's probably no, it, 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 it's it's not for sure. I mean, we we there. It's funny because when I go to like licensing expo or different times, I'm representing our brand. I think a lot of times people are surprised that I can speak so intelligently about Lucha Libre and the brand because they're used to just being face to face with an agent for whatever the product is, who doesn't necessarily know it all. You know, like the back of their hand. Um, and there's a huge difference there when you're talking to the brand owner. And because we're still such a small company, we do a lot of the talking ourselves to these, these licensing partners. Um, but I think you're right because, you know, when we, 
when we give, we've had a couple different apparel um, deals with different companies that are in the traditional apparel distribution space. And we have another one that we're about to announce very soon. Um, I think COVID has pushed it back a little bit, but there'll be a new place to find Master Public apparel um, before too long. But a lot of times, you know, we'll give them assets. Here's photos of the wrestlers. Here's our style guide. And it's funny because maybe they'll have a wrestling fan on staff, but maybe not. And it's like, I feel like we always get a lot of the same types of designs back. It's like, there's what I call truck bed um, style, where it's like the, um, what do you even call it? Like the, it looks like the the metal in a truck bed. Um, and for whatever reason, we're always getting shirts pitched back to us with that, like, kind of a 90s looking vibe or whatever and i'm just like there's not a wrestling fan i know of that really would be into this type of thing it just feels so weird but like for whatever reason that's what a lot of people go oh wrestling fan they must you know this is what they'd be into and it's like you obviously you don't see that type of thing really coming out of pro wrestling teeth you know um because you guys have on staff or employ artists who have uh you know wide array wide array of styles but they usually speak to the fan base and the best part about if it doesn't is you're not printing inventory up front so if nobody buys a design then it's still yeah you're not sitting on a warehouse okay Yeah. yeah i mean and and you know for us look i'm surprised sometimes by what resonates and what doesn't resonate there are absolutely ideas and designs that we put up um that I was like, this is going to sell and hardly anybody buys. And then there's designs that we put up where I'm like, eh, like it's cool. Well, you know, we'll put it up. It's not, it's not so bad. I wouldn't put it in the store, but we put it up and then people will just flock to that design for whatever reason. So, um, that's, that's one of the great parts with any print on demand operation is that, you know, you can kind of AB test, obviously you're paying the artist, you know, and, and there's a cost associated associated with that, but yeah, you're not risking inventory, um, especially when you're printing on your own and you have to look the hardest thing about apparel versus anything else is the freaking sizes, right? Mm-hmm. How many large, medium, yeah. small, you know, I mean, I can't tell you there, we did a show in Philadelphia, um, that we ended up, it was a live event that we taped for pay-per-view. God, it must be like six, seven years ago now called Masked mania. I'm still sitting on shirts from that event with the logo from the event on it because I totally uh, miscalculated how many shirts we would need and what sizes. And so, um, yeah, it's uh, the rough goes and done. Now you had it happen too because, uh, like, I I'm so I'm the one in charge of if a wrestler you know if a wrestler's ordering fifty shirts you know for themselves to sell at a show, I'm the one who you know gets that taken care of, sends it out to them. And there's some wrestlers who like, uh, like Swaggle when we had him on on the show. You know, he talked about how through the website, uh, you know, fair sales, but like in person, he just he gets rid of everything. Like mm-hmm. we will ship, you know, especially when it's busier. You know, dur- like during the summer, we'll ship you know like a hundred t-shirts almost like a week, and I'm just like it's it's insane and you know it is different selling merchandise uh like in person than online because uh you know if you go to a show you get to meet the wrestler and you're just like oh man you know he or she, she you know they're super cool let me buy one of their shirts uh but like when we've done some of the conventions here uh that's we've definitely had that same issue too where like all right I've, 
this should be enough and it's either not enough or like we over you know we overdo it like i know last year we had to uh do heat transfers because the first day we were like oh okay yeah you know we'll, we'll bring this stock and it was when it was uh cm punk marty Skrull, and then you had the elite next to us and we just did so much that we were like mm -hmm. wow we, we grossly underprepared and even then it was like there's no way we'll sell all these t-shirts but you know again we're lucky that we have this facility here and it wasn't just like well right. that was all our stock good luck um <laughs> But well, it, and I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, was say, I think the thing too for in terms of like li like for us when we're doing these officially licensed products for the wrestlers, like uh, like the action figures, for example, you know, because of the nature of the business, the royalty that Penta, Phoenix, anyone else we're working with is going to make off of a sale of that toy is relatively minimum in terms of cash, actual like dollars that they're getting per per sale. For a toy that's in a store or on you know amazon or whatever but the ability for them to get a hold of that product um at a special price to them which is you know usually just slightly above cost and then sell it at events at not only necessarily retail price but an additional cost because it's going to be autographed or an exclusive or whatever that's really where it changes like even with um we had before we had our own toy deal now we had done deals with figures toy company for a conan figure and a juventud guerrera figure and Hoovy keeps ordering cases and cases and cases of the figure for himself because he's selling them at his live events and so i think that one of the main benefits of that we bring a lot of the wrestlers that work with us is everybody has shirts everybody could potentially have eight by tens um, but not a lot of people have action figures or picks brick sets or a lot of the other things that we are developing. Um, and that, that really helps you stand out, especially when you've got your hardcore fans that see you every few months or every month, depending on what the promotion is, but they can only have so many t-shirts. They can only have so many of whatever. And so giving the wrestlers that work with us the opportunity to have these kind of unique products that not everybody has and give their hardcore fans one more type of product to purchase from them is a uh, you know, big advantage of being part of our Legends of Lucha Libre um, company. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you know, like like you, you brought up, if you have a lot of uh, the same people come to the same shows, it's smart to, to switch it up because, uh, especially with a lot of the independent shows around here, like I know, like I've been to some and it's just like, okay, it's like, you have the same stuff as last time, like, that's fine. And then you come, you know, go to the next show. Like, that was when I first started discovering Penta and Phoenix. That was my favorite thing is that every show they would bring something different, you know. And it was always, you know, do you have this size? No. And uh, out Penta and Phoenix, because uh, when they were working for AAW um, out here, uh, there was only one person who spoke Spanish. Uh, and it was friend of the show, uh, Stupid Michael. And so you know, he'd be like, hey, uh he's like, I got to take uh, Penton Phoenix out to go get food and just hang out with them. Like, do you want to come with? And I'm just like, yeah, that is, that is <laughs> like, that is what I want to do. Very, please very much. So, uh, and you know, so I, like got a little friendly with them and it, it was always like, it was nice, you know, where you're just like, Oh, you don't have this shirt in this size. And like, the, remind me the next show I'll bring it. And I always think that's one of like the, the fun things about being able to go to live events and it, understandably so you know if you live in the middle of arkansas you know 
you're you're not going to get that much wrestling coming through town uh but you know i i very i very much think it, it it's it's nice that we have pro wrestling tees to to make it accessible well, to get all that merchandise exactly i mean that's the thing too is that i try to explain um to the wrestlers that don't necessarily get it yet it's like yeah i sell my stuff or yeah no no i sell through my facebook or i sell through my you know instagram or whatever it's like number one there are a lot of people that still aren't going to do it that way especially if they don't speak spanish and they don't feel comfortable having a message you and then if you don't have a paypal or whatever else like they want and you know what I see or what I always see, I feel like from so like we still have our print on demand also up on Amazon. And I feel like there's a very different customer base, especially based on what I see selling um, between the, the people that shop with us on Amazon and the people that shop with us at Pro Wrestling Tees. Now, we don't have it's not they're not the same stores, meaning we only have a few designs that overlap in both stores. Um, but I feel like there's a there is a customer out there who if something's available on Amazon, that's always their first choice because they have an Amazon Prime membership because of whatever else. And so that's their, they go, they hit Amazon, they search for whatever. And if it exists on Amazon, they buy it off Amazon. And so then you've got your, your Pro Wrestling Tees customer where I think there's a huge, I mean, I wouldn't even fathom the yes right now, but definitely tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands um, of fans who that's the first place they go and who wouldn't even think about buying a print on demand shirt anywhere else because they love pro S and T's they're loyal customers. They love the quality, et cetera. And so it, we try to convince everyone, listen, you're not kind of, you're not um, eating your own sales and profits by having the stuff, all these places, you're just creating new customers and new customer bases. And the more opportunities are out there for people to buy from you, the better it's going to be. No, you're not going to make $16 a shirt or $15 a shirt or whatever on every sale. But guess what? At the end of the month, you're going to have more money. And that's really what the bottom line is, you know? So, uh, so as we, as we, uh, wind down, there's two questions that we like to ask all the guests that we have on here. It's kind of just fun questions. Uh, do you remember the first, and with you, you know, you being involved in wrestling for so long, God knows if you can recall, uh, but do you remember <laughs> your first piece of wrestling merchandise that you, you ever purchased or was gifted to you? You know, I always talk about uh, my Eddie Guerrero, Ooh. I'm your poppy t-shirt being uh, like the first thing that I had. Uh, and Dave with his, uh, his end of, or was it your NWO shirt, Dave? Uh no, it's probably it's some Hulk Hogan gear when I was when I was a kid. My very first stuff. I mean, so are we talking apparel or just anything? anything yeah, maybe, maybe any, uh, anything. Anything. Um, let's see. So I was a member of the WWF fan club. So whatever came with the fan club membership, like my uh, membership card and whatever else came in that pack, probably was the very first merchandise. Um, I definitely had an Ultimate Warrior Hasbro that was on my desk in my bedroom through middle, middle school and high school. Um, I had a W I still have in a box. A, I've, I've saved everything for the most part. Uh, I have a shed outside because my wife made me take it all out of the house, <laughs> but I have an entire shed um, that is full of wrestling magazines, wrestling sh- uh, sheets, um, wrestling figures. Not, I, I was never a huge figure collector, um, like I was a huge GI Joe collector, but not a huge wrestling figure collector. Um, but like I have, I have so much uh, and t-shirts, like I have hundreds of wrestling t-shirts, most of them from my own, um, 
my own businesses from whether it's XPW or before XPW wrestling society X and master public. Um, but I also same with band shirts. Like I don't believe in throwing away or getting rid of band shirts. So like all the way back to like high school, like Pearl jam shirts and stuff, they're still in boxes somewhere. Um, God bless my wife. Um, but I think, so I have this, um, WWE makeup kit. It was like, so you can paint your face like ultimate warrior and the road warriors and stuff. Um, I never opened it. So that's still in a box somewhere. Um, I don't remember my first wrestling shirt. I'm trying to think back now. I don't think I actually ever, even like Ultimate Warrior, like so many people in my generation, was the one that like made me want to, or like I was really hardcore first a fan of. Um, but I don't think I ever actually owned a Warrior shirt. Um, I don't think I really started having wrestling shirts until I was old enough to like buy them for myself, probably college. So it was probably like a, Maybe that like Triple H game over, you're damn right I'm over t-shirt or a Chris Jericho shirt or something. Um, probably my first wrestling shirt. Um, yeah. So. And, and do you have a favorite piece of wrestling merchandise? You know, anything could range, you know, again, from apparel toys and, you know, anything that's been put out over the years. Um, I have to, well, so I would say right now, probably the super seven reaction figures that we put out are probably my favorite piece of merchandise we've cool. done. Um, I, I, once the boss fight figures come out, that's absolutely going to be the, the, my favorite. Um, and this in terms of like non merch, but like collector stuff, um, we, uh, we originally were helping LA park get his U S trademark on his name. And so I have the actual mask that was made to secure his trademark um and so that's probably one of and so it's a one of a kind mm-hmm. um so that's probably one of my f- most favorite collectible or you know collector items um we've also got badass uh urban aztec one of the artists that we work with um jesse hernandez he redid designs for a, a fair number of luchador's masks um including lindsay dorado and for wwe um but he redesigned a Dr. Wagner mask that we used just on a t-shirt. And then Wagner went out and made that an actual mask of his that he was wearing. And so we had a well-known mask maker um, in Mexico, uh, Busio, make a few uh, actual masks of it, uh, of the Urban Aztec design. And so I've got that as well. So that's, that's pretty, those, those masks mean a lot to me. Um, I don't know, you know, uh, collective collector value wise, how much they are, they're probably worth something. Um, but yeah, I think those and then uh, the super seven figures thus far. Oh, one th- I did want to go back real quick on the um, on the boss fight figures when you guys were talking about like the articulation and stuff. Um, Eric Aranya, who's one of the owners of Boss Fight and designer of the toys, his his desire when making these wrestling figures for Legends of Lucha Libre was he's because he's a big wrestling fan, big wrestling toy collector. He had never had figures that were so articulated that you could have one figure putting the other figure in the scorpion uh, death lock <laughs> or the sharpshooter. And so that was his goal with these figures. So these figures are so articulated that you'll be able to pose them doing that. And so that was kind of like his bar for like how articulated he wanted them to be. So I'm super excited because uh, I think that's going to be awesome. And then also on the accessories that you were mentioning, um, it's kind of awesome that right now, even though there's like, it's not like there's an agreement between any of these companies, but it just so happens that 
the Mattel figures are going to be on scale with the boss fight figures that happen to be on scale with the Super 7 figures that happen to be on scale with the AEW figures. So not only are people going to be able to pose kind of these dream matches, you know, in their homes, but these accessories like the dog collar chain and the uh, barbed wire and everything that's coming in our accessory packs are basically going to be able to be used on all of your figures that you have um, that are modern size figures. So uh, definitely check those out at Boss Fight Shop because they are badass. Yeah, I think the, I think that six and a half inch size is like the sweet spot for like wrestling figures. Yeah, they're just big enough where you can see stuff, but they're small enough that you know they're not gigantic. But uh, yeah, I like those figures a lot. I like that you. Yeah, I'm looking. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no go ahead. <laughs> I like that you'll be able to that they're more articulate because I remember that was the one thing like as a kid where it was just like, oh, I'm gonna. Oh nope, can't do that move on them because it, the, yep. you know, the leg or the arm will break if I try to bend it that way. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, so yeah, I think we're, we're, as a as a wrestling fan, um, we are living in great times for the action figures. Um, like, like I don't, I've never been a huge collector of action figures um, for wrestling. You know, these days I pretty much only collect the guys that we have relationships with, like. I'll get most of the Rey Mysterio WWE figures that come out um, or it's people I'm friends with, right? Like I'll buy the Lince Dorado figures, the TJP figures. Um, you know, I've bought anyone that's been on wrestling society X that's had a figure come out, you know, so I've got a Seth Rollins figure and um, I've got, uh, you know, hopefully uh, let's see if Colt Cabana gets an AEW figure. Eventually I'll definitely uh, I'll gr- I'll grab that one. And uh you know, Jack. Hey, let's see if we can get Jack Evans a figure, and see uh, you know who else uh, we can end up uh, putting on the wall over here. Kevin, we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to yeah, to talk to us again. You were you were someone that I was just like, I'm like, I want to I want to get him in person. I'm like, let, well, let's hold off a little bit. But you know, I'm glad that we finally got to talk because I didn't even realize how much time has flown by. Again, like I mentioned to you uh, prior to recording, I'm like, I have some notes and. Hard, hardly scratch them because that's, that's the one fun thing with uh you know with this podcast is like where dave and i were we just we start talking with someone and you know it's like oh man the magic happens yeah, yeah. The magic <laughs> happens. uh but where can people find you online so uh everything is at masked republic m-a-s-k-e-d republic that's on twitter on facebook on instagram um so check all that out masterpublic.com is really more of a corporate website but feel free to check that out and then uh also our by the time this airs hopefully um luchacentral.com will be all brand new and up and uh, in addition to kind of your your ultimate website for all lucha libre info spanish and english um we're adding a lot more video content as well as launching our own podcast network and uh gaming network so Keep your eye out for that stuff at luchacentral.com. I think that about covers it. Thank you, Kevin. It's been a pleasure. And yeah, as, as soon as all that is uh, you know up to date, we'll be sure to, to notify you guys because, again, you know we, we, we love what you guys do, what you guys are doing for the wrestlers. So if we can help spread the word, then you know it, it's, it's always a I, pleasure. We appreciate it. And like, I, I mean, I think I'm probably going to, people are going to be like, wow, you just went on there and put over Ryan for like half that thing. But uh, seriously, though, you, everything that PWT does um, from Ryan on down to uh, everyone there, I, the service that you guys serve. 
to the wrestling community, from the wrestlers to the promotions to the fans, cannot be understated. Um, you guys have changed the business for the positive, and I love being uh, business partners with you guys there. And I look forward to seeing you know what more and what other creative things we can do down the road. Thank you again to Kevin Kleinrock for that interview. Uh, we had a lot of fun, like you know, after yeah. after we got off the off the mic, you and I talked. How we we're just like, oh man, like this guy was freaking pretty cool. Again, not that we already didn't think he was, but yeah, it's just. But he's definitely one of those people. Like you could, they've lived a, an interesting life, and they're great storytellers. And uh, it's just interesting to hear, you know, what he's got to say. So that was a really good one. Yeah, I mean, listen, that guy for all intents and purposes. As a wrestling nerd, one man, he was like, "Yeah, he was like, hey, I think I want to do this," and then just did it. Which, yeah, you know, if there's any of you who are thinking of doing something, you know, oh, I, I maybe want to do this or that, but you're a little apprehensive, just go ahead and do it. You know, like, yeah, I mean, if there's one message we always like to take away from the show, it's like, if you want to do it, just get out there and do it. Don't don't give yourself any excuses or any wiggle room. Just go do it. As long as you know, what you, as long yeah. as it's not like shooting up a school or yeah, don't do that hurting someone. Don't do that and blame it on us. You know, we're talking more like write do a good book. stuff. Yeah, write a book yeah. or try to lose some weight or start up. Or a, learn how to paint. Learn how to paint. Do a YouTube show, something like that. Uh, because you know, scrump and stink. We're all, we're all about positivity. Uh, but yeah. we are not for harming other people. So no harm. Don't don't harm other people and then and do something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty excited. We have two potential interviews lined up for next week. We so we won't, we don't want to go ahead and say who it is or because that yeah we want to jinx it. Yeah, we don't want to jinx it. Uh, but next week's episode should be fun as well. Um, next week will also feature the return of fan of the week. Uh, with how busy we've both been, because again, like you know, you mentioned that you've been busy. Um, yeah, me and a handful of people are still working. You know, over at the shop. And unfortunately, because it is a handful of people only, uh, you know, with social distancing, uh, it's yeah, it's, everyone's work piles. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's double the work now, which uh, you know, it's fine, it's it, it's manageable. You know, we're all you know, none of us are complaining about like, oh, we have too much work. Yeah, quite. Oh, no, we're very thankful. Quite, yeah, yeah, quite the opposite. We're like, hell yeah, there's so much work to get done. Uh, so we haven't had as uh, enough time to go ahead and get some fan of the weeks, but next week. Next week, we will feature uh, a fan of the week. So for all yeah. of you who, you know, are looking forward to those segments. That, that's yeah, I've been getting lots of questions. Where's fan of the week? Where's fan of the week? And it's just like, these are crazy times we're living. <laughs> I know. I'm like, listen. We can't nail people down. I'm like, I, I'm like, I also want to hear the beautiful voice of Kevin Aldridge, but it's just yeah. going to have to wait. Also, shout out Kevin Aldridge, uh, you know, big supporter of us. He sings you know the the fan of the week theme he sings the theme for friends of the show wes allen and yep. you know his whole family they have their podcast why did we ever meet available on itunes and he does their intro like he, he does stuff for marty and sarah he's he's all over the place and this weekend we were talking and he was like you know he goes i entered that raffle to win those eddie guerrero boots and if i would have won them i would have said go ahead and keep one pair and i was like i i literally i was just like I want to fucking hug the shit out of this guy. That is the sweetest thing anyone could have said to me, you know? Yeah. Oh, hey, not not to change subject, but speaking of that raffle, did you see what Ryan posted on Twitter? Oh, yes, I did. 
So, oh, and have we got a raffle coming up on Pro Wrestling Tees short soon? Listen, uh, Kevin, if you win that raffle, cut that outfit in half and give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Ryan was lucky enough to uh, get another piece of merchandise from the from the state of Randy Savage. Uh, his wife, yeah. I believe, sent it over. And it's, head on over and to the it, pro. What's up? Oh yeah, it's it's one of the most iconic pieces of wrestling gear from the eighties. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and again, you know the the profits, you know the profits for this uh, for these raffles go towards charity. I don't know which specific one this one will go to, but when we have more information on that. You know, we'll be sure to share it with you, and uh, just keep tabs on that Pro Wrestling Tees Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, the VIP group. If you're part of the very exclusive uh, Pro Wrestling Tees VIP group, and yeah there'll be more information there because yeah, you don't want to miss out on this raffle. This is a hell of a doozy. Like, yeah, listen, especially if you're, which, what am I saying? If you're a macho man, Randy Savage fan. Yeah, uh, of course you are. Yeah, of course you are. Everyone, listen, everyone loves a macho man. Yeah. Which is why so many of you bought the PWT cast. So macho shirt. Exactly. That was the other shirt. I forgot to mention up front, uh, yeah. which I was laughing when you sent it over to me you're like, is this okay? I was like, Oh, I love that ridiculous look on my face yeah um but uh, so we mentioned uh so since we don't have a fan of the week we figured we'll uh we'll replace that with a little something else we had a friend of the show dennis day jr as we mentioned earlier he uh sent some questions over to us um i know he was catching up to the podcast so i'm not sure because you know we did that episode a few weeks back where we said hey if you have any questions send them over and then uh friend of the show jesse kohlberg sent over all the questions and uh it made for some fun content so i don't know if dennis day jr was a little behind and just sending some questions but nonetheless we figured we'd uh you know it's a it's a quick like maybe like three or four questions we figure yeah we'll answer some of those take it back to the old uh pwt cast episodes yeah and it's his birthday so we're gonna indulge him and uh, just a little sidebar dennis is always asking to be on the show and uh (laughs) Almost as a joke, we kind of play it off like we don't see him do it. We see you. This counts. <laughs> You're on the show. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah. So. Uh, yeah, he, he tweeted out a couple, so I'll go ahead and read them off, and then uh, we'll we'll each answer, and we'll we'll try and get this through this quick because this was kind of a long episode. Um, but yeah, Dennis Day Jr. asks uh, Scrump and Stank, "What is your biggest guilty pleasure wrestling show? A show that is regarded as not very good, but you still enjoy it." Um. You you answer this one. Um. See, that's. I'm never guilty about my pleasure. Yeah, by the way, I want to say the same thing. You know, like I don't, I don't think I necessarily have any like guilty pleasures because I'm more of like a heart on my sleeve kind of guy. So if I like yeah. something, like I like it, and I, you know, like I will like look at what's tattooed on my body. <laughs> yeah, you know, clearly what I love, I love. Um, I don't know if this wouldn't necessarily count, but like when people speak of like, oh, the, the best WrestleManias, um, I always say like WrestleMania 21 is one that was like really good that people just don't talk about enough. You know, mm-hmm. it had uh, JBL versus John Cena, Triple H versus Batista, Randy Orton versus Taker, um, and most notably, the match that I think, that I think, again, that I think is the best WrestleMania match ever. Again, I think this don't 
don't tweet at me telling me how great Rock and Austin and Stone Cold and all these other matches are because I don't care. I'm telling you, I think my personal opinion is that the best WrestleMania match ever is Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle. Uh, and WrestleMania 2 it's a very that. highly regarded match. Highly, yeah. you get, hey, if you haven't already, if any of you guys have the WWE Network, they did like a little like... It's a masterwork. Yeah, they did like a documentary on that match. It's pretty good. It's just Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle talking about it. Um, but what about you? Is there like a, a show that's uh, not highly regarded that you enjoy? Like I said, I, I'm i never guilty about my pleasures. But, you know, here's the other thing, too. Um, a lot of the stuff that a lot of people don't like in wrestling, the other half of the wrestling fans love. So it's really hard to get a good gauge on that. I guess I would say – I won't say a show because I don't – I don't watch shows that I don't like and that are not highly regarded, but we'll say I like weird matches. So, for instance, like a lot of the FMW, like death matches, I loved all that stuff. A lot of people don't like that. Um, Kenny Omega wrestling, <laughs> wrestling that little girl. A lot of people hate that, but I think that's great. I think it, it also showcases wrestling as uh, an art really you know what i mean she made he made this girl look great and she looked she had she looked better than any kid had any right to look and so like i think that's a great uh exhibition of how wrestling as an art form can be um other than that like uh nah, i i like i like almost all the wrestling i watch um and i like i typically wouldn't watch something like nwa power but the stuff that i've watched you know, on surface, it looks. Again, I'm gonna get in trouble for saying that. It looks old and outdated, but like that's the purpose. It, it's supposed to be like a time machine back to old school wrestling. It's the Some people don't like it. Yeah, it's it it's very much like that old Southern, you know, mid Southern style wrestling. Uh, you know, I picture young Ric Flair going up to the podium next to uh, Nick Aldis and cutting a great promo with the ten pounds of gold. I love that sort of stuff. So um, not everyone's cup of tea, but I like it. So um, that would be my answer to that. All right. Next question. We've got uh, Scrum and Stink. This is going to be a hard one to answer. How many movies do you have in your collections at home? I'm literally staring at my collection right now. Um, I mean, like I could count them, but I'm not going to. I will say... Um, more than one, no more than two hundred. Because yeah, because your boy loves DVDs. I love physical media. I love books. I love comics. Um, my biggest pet peeve is when I'm like, oh, I you know this movie, and then like, well, you can go download it here. And it's like, okay, but I also would like to physically own the media. Um, so maybe yeah, more, again, more than one, no more than two, yet. Yeah. Because listen, once uh. <clears throat> Once all this is over and I can go back to going to half price books and disc replay for some movies, you best bet your boy is going to go spend. I'm going to go spend all my Trump money on movies. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, I used to have a one, a really epic VHS collection. And then DVDs became a thing. And, you know, I've got boxes of VHSs and then ended up getting a very, very significant DVD collection. I just. It was insane like this was back when my wife and i were not married uh, we were very young and we were struggling to scrape by but i was constantly buying dvds and she would calculate 
the thousands of dollars I spent on, on disc media. Um, and I would meticulously rearrange it. Like I would do genres and then I would just do alphabetical order. And then I would do genres in alphabetical order. And then I would have like, it was maddening the amount of times I would reshuffle this thing. But, um, unfortunately Lil Stank Dog came along and completely destroyed my DVD collection. She would pull things off the shelf drool all over stuff there'd be like cheetos and milk on it just trashed like half my i had like this really great collector's edition of like all the matrix films like the animatrix all the behind the scenes stuff garbage like it was painful to look at so um when it comes to physical media i don't do it anymore um specifically because of that but as far as my digital catalog i'm looking at my my plex backlog and According to this, I have 639 movies. <laughs> Jesus. Well, yeah, we, 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 we watch a lot of movies in this house, so uh, it's ridiculous. I know it's a sickness, but what are you, you going to do? I like movies. <laughs> you love movies. I, I, think that's yeah. what, I think that's what the people can get out of that is that you love. I have a casual, I'm a casual acquaintance of movies. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's the next question? All right, so we got three more questions. Scrump and Stink, what is the one movie that you were really looking forward to see but wound up not liking it at all? And what is the one movie you had zero expectations of, but after seeing it, you ended up really liking it? Um, first one that instantly came to mind was Suicide Squad. I was – there's – and I will go – I literally watched it last night um, – the trailer that they cut to that movie with Ballroom Blitz. Ballroom Blitz, yeah. <laughs> my favorite trailer. Like, I will literally go back and rewatch that because that trailer shows a movie that is so much fun and looks, like, so awesome. And I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go see it. I finally go see it. And I I literally wanted to walk out. It was, Yeah, they I, really overpromised. <laughs> It is what I would consider a cinematic abortion. Like I know, I know it seems silly to get this upset about a movie when there's other, you know, it's a very first world problem to be upset about this. But like David Ayer, you failed us. You failed, and <laughs> it gets me even more upset when he goes online and complains. He's like, "Well, it wasn't all my fault." And it's like, "Well, listen, like I think, listen, maybe you just wrote a shitty movie. Also, there was a lot of like, you know." Warner Brothers trying to catch up to Marvel and not knowing what they wanted. Yeah, it was just a DC lot. doesn't know what they're doing. No, sometimes there, there was a lot of a lot of stuff wrong with that production, and yeah, yeah, and wound up not being good. Another one that instantly came to mind was Last Jedi. I think is the worst Star Wars. Oh, anything. I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate it. Oh, listen, I, I I literally can't even start talking about it right now because I will go on a an hour rant about you know. Yeah, I will just go on. You know, again, that movie—the worst Star Wars anything. Nothing anyone says will ever change my mind. I don't care how like, well, it looks really nice. It's like, yeah, they spent all this money on it to make it look nice and it ruined yeah. the franchise. Uh, but a movie, uh, I guess, that I went into kind of blank and didn't really know much about, and came out like, oh shit, I love this movie. Um, have you seen Hunt for the Wilder People with Sam Neill? I've seen most of it. 
that movie. That was one of those movies with where, the kid from Deadpool. Yes, with the, with the little chubby yeah. kid from Deadpool and Sam Neill. Yeah, love that movie. Oh, I'll, what we do in the shadows as well. What we I, I changed my answer. Oh, you know what? What, what yeah. we do in the shadows. I had no idea what what that movie was. So the, the way I, the way I discovered that movie was, um, this was this was when I was living next to the shop uh, with Matt Nix and my girlfriend. My girlfriend at the time. Uh, got she got upset over something and was like, "I'm I don't want to be in in the room. I'm gonna go hang out in the kitchen." I'm like, "All right, have fun." And uh, while she was over there doing whatever she was doing, I was like, "Let me find something to watch." I'm like, "Cause I was like upset. I'm like, I just want something fun to watch." I was like, "What we do in the shadows?" All right, cool. Put it on. I love that movie religiously. That thing is so good. Like, yeah. If I I'm you know I I don't. I don't believe in God, Dave. But if I had to believe in a God, it would have to be Taika Waititi for putting out Thor Ragnarok, Hunt for the Wilder People, and what we do in the shadows. That man is, and Jojo Rabbit. And Jojo Rabbit. And this this dude is gold. And you know what? He he recently he did a, a Q&A, like a live Q&A on his Instagram story. He was like doing some sort of watch along for Thor Ragnarok. Uh, confirm that Beta Ray Bill will... Beta Ray Bill might make an appearance in Thor Ragnarok, which I think it's safe to say Beta Ray Bill is showing up in Thor Ragnarok, which I'm so fucking yeah. excited for. Well, and he, he's like the one guy you can count on having the cojones to put him in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I would trust Taika with anything. So, yeah. Uh, worst, you know, one movie I hated, uh, Suicide Squad, loved what we do in the shadows. What about you, Dave? Uh, for me, one movie I was really looking forward to um, was The Village. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan, he had this uh, this great. He, you know, Sixth Sense came out. Uh, I can't remember if Signs came out before this movie, but like I was really like, wow, this dude is great, and the trailers looked really good. Um, and then I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but like it's been like 15 years, 20 years, but you go in and like halfway through the movie that they reveal the twist and it's not a very good one. And then they reveal a second twist at the end and you're like, ah, oh, this movie blows is definitely not the movie they promised. And it, it sucked and I hated it. I've still not seen I village. Was so hype. Oh, d- please don't. <laughs> because <laughs> because, maybe, don't. because my movies are at alph- alphabetized. It currently sits, uh, Right next to oh. V for Vendetta and uh, Wing. Yeah. V for Vendetta, great movie, though. Yeah. Uh, what, um, what about when you went into unsuspecting, not knowing what was going on? And- so, this is a hard question for me. Most movies I see, I know about, and I want to see them. Um, so, I don't normally go in with zero expectations. I'll say the closest thing to zero expectations of being a movie that I would really enjoy. Probably Pootie Tang. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen Pootie Tang. It's one of my favorite movies. I have never but, seen um, it, but I vividly remember it always being at, at, always being at a Blockbuster, specifically because, yeah. uh, like, I guess alphabetically or however it was, however the movies were organized, it was like the yeah. kids' movies, and then right next to it was, like, the I guess like the peas because that's where Pootie Tang was. So I always remember seeing Pootie Tang, but having never seen it, I will, I will always recommend Pootie Tang. But like, first of all, I knew who Pootie Tang was, 
um, because he used to show up in skits on the Chris Rock show on uh, HBO. Um, he's played by Lance Crowther. Um, but they did a movie about it. I kind of expected it to be like, you know, Saturday Night Live would do all their character movies like Ladies Man or Pat Superstar. or Superstar or Night at the Roxbury. Yeah, and so like you go into those knowing it's just it's gonna be a shit movie. You'll get some laughs, but like and that's how I how I looked at Pootie Tang. It's in my top five favorite movies of all time, and <laughs> maybe in my top three. Like I and you know it was directed by Louis C.K. Uh, controversial choice right now, but you know back then it was a great movie. And then to find out Louis C.K. directed it, it was like what. But uh, famously, Conan O'Brien and I think Kanye West both said Pootie Ting is their favorite movie of all time. So um, it's held in high regard to a lot of people. And like I said, I didn't I didn't go in expecting more than what I knew. And I've probably seen that movie 200 times, like not even exaggerating. So um, that would be my two answers. Don't watch The Village, anyone. I highly don't recommend it. You are, I'm, so. I'm, I'm going to watch both The Village and Pootie Ting. Yeah. <laughs> Why did Pootie take first? You, you'll be happy. We're going full in with uh-huh. the village first. <laughs> you know what? You'll, you'll need to watch Pootie Tang to wash the shit out of your, <laughs> out of your fucking taste buds when you watch the, uh, the village. But <laughs> right, we've got two more questions. This next one, probably a pretty quick one for both of us. Um, what would you say would be the top three moments from WrestleMania 36? Didn't that watch it. Could have been, didn't watch it. I saw clips of it. Um, and to me, like I, I obviously keep up with it, but um, it's unfortunate that someone like Drew McIntyre um, kind of got shafted. We'll say, you know, from having his great WrestleMania moment. Well, he got shafted. It sounds hot. Well, I should have watched yes. it. That's a different type of show. <laughs> um, that's WrestleMania. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, what are the top three moments that could have been more memorable if they were in front of a live crowd? I think that counts. If they were in uh, front of a live crowd, if they were properly booked, uh, and if there weren't 16 matches, boom. Yeah. <laughs> Just fine. Yeah. Just so, fix WrestleMania. Yeah. So uh, as famously, we're, we're not big fans of the WrestleMania situation, as a lot of people aren't. A lot of people loved it, and we don't hate you for that. You love what you love, and we hate what we hate. So, all right. All right. And we have our final question from uh, Dennis Day Jr. Uh, Scrump and Stank. What is the one movie you've been finally able to watch during the stay-at-home order, and what did you think? Um, well, I've actually I've not been watching many movies. I've been watching more TV shows, like yeah. uh, kind of right at the beginning of like the stay-at-home order. I had started watching uh, Westworld and got fully caught up with that. Um, and yeah, that I mean that was one of those shows where I was just like, oh, I'm like it's pretty lengthy, you know, the episodes are. Are, are pretty long and i just I like movie length yeah yeah and movie quality as well like you yeah. know i i keep recommending the show to people you know like if you if you haven't already seen it like you should probably start watching it you know i mean and i get it it's, it's not for everyone it's kind of high concept sci-fi um yeah, it's a little bit of a mental investment but it's good it i i feel like especially like season one has been my favorite so far um you know i like season two some people didn't I you know that was fine again like I've, I've said before the ending gets a little up its own ass, uh, but I still I still thoroughly enjoyed it you know the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're in the midst of this current third season so that's one of those things I've been able to to kind of catch up on 
um, admittedly not not many movies. It's it's been more so uh, Westworld and God of War. What about you, Dave? Uh, so, admittedly, as well for me, mostly shows. Um, of course, we've been talking for the last several weeks about uh, Tiger King. Mm-hmm. So that was Tiger, one of them. Uh, Tiger King is the one thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also watched uh, uh, Barry, two seasons of Barry on HBO. Great show. Highly recommended. Um, but I did see one movie. It's, it's weird. It's a Swedish film called Border. Uh-huh. Um, I don't want to give away too much in case some people – I don't – I don't think people are going to watch a Swedish foreign film with subtitles, but <laughs> it's this movie about this lady who works at like, uh, um, she's like a secure, she's security. So people walk by her and she has this highly keen sense of smell. Also, she's very ugly and that's not just me editorializing. Like she's clearly ugly to as a normal human. Right. And so she has this keen sense of like smell and she can detect when people are hiding stuff, so it makes her a great, like, you know, like a TSA agent almost. So people would pass by, and she'd be like, oh, that guy's got liquor in his thing. She, she's basically like a search dog. And uh, she found some guy that had, like, uh, a little hidden chip of child porn on his phone. And so, anyways, she's really good at detecting this stuff. And then she finds this guy who's equally as ugly as her. And she can't get a read on him, and she's uh, she lets him go ultimately. But like she's really like intrigued. Um, come to find out, she's like a she's a troll, like a mythical troll, and she's never known another troll until this person. And then like you know, it all it all becomes discovering, you know, her herself as a troll and how she fits in this world with humans and it explains why she's ugly because the actress that plays her is actually quite beautiful um but it it was nominated for um best makeup for an oscar and won like uh the certain regard uh award at Cannes. so um really good movie i know a lot of people don't like reading subtitles and stuff like that i happen to enjoy that sort of thing so i I end up watching a lot of foreign films and what, what did you say this was called uh, border. Border. Jesus. Uh, in Swedish, it's called Grans, but uh, it's Border. It's look up the look up the trailer for Border on YouTube when you guys get a chance. It's it's a pretty good movie, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So, yeah, I I thought it's <laughs> it's so weird. It's such a weird movie. I know everyone's like you're stupid. But like, no, you know what? You sold one person on this movie because yeah, I get I gotta find this. You know. Yeah, it's it's great. There's a lot of reading though, but uh, it's worth it. So, all right, guys. Well, you heard it here. If you want to catch up on Westworld, uh, you know, you go check that out. Or if you want uh, an ugly troll movie, you can check out yeah. Border. Nice Swedish. But yeah, also, yeah. Special thanks to uh, uh, Saturday's birthday boy, Dennis Day Jr. for uh, one for being a great fan uh, and friend of the show, and. Uh, also for taking the time and writing these thoughtful questions for us. Um, again, any of you super fans that are in the VIP group or that listen on the podcast, we're always willing to answer even the most mundane questions. So uh, we enjoy interacting with you guys. But um, yeah, yeah, those are his questions. Yeah, any questions or concerns you you know you may have, uh, especially concerns, <laughs> especially concerns. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, just send them our way. Uh, again, we're we're all about interacting with you guys. You know, without yeah. without you guys, there's no one listening to 
to the meanderings of uh, Dave and I. So it's it's nice that we have you guys here. It's nice that you guys have all stuck around. I mean, we're we're kind of rearing up on uh, on our one year anniversary. You know. Yeah. Which it's crazy, and yeah, along the way we we've met a bunch of of our fans, which is great, and uh, we've become actual you know real life friends with them. So yeah, shout out Trevor. You know, I yep. love me some Trevor. You know, wouldn't have love known him without Tre- this. Uh, you know, Vivian listens to this every week, and <laughs> I always appreciate it because she probably doesn't know both the people that are on here, you know, but I, I appreciate everyone. Every one of you guys that listens, you know, every retweet, every like, you know, it, it all, it all counts to us. You know, we appreciate yeah. it. Everyone who, uh, supports us, you know, whether it's through downloading the show or, um, whatever it is, you know, yeah, we, buying a shirt, buying, yeah, shouting buying, us out on Twitter, yeah, whatever the yeah. case may be. Uh, we appreciate it. So thank you guys all. Um, and again, next week, uh, I'm not going to announce it because they haven't confirmed it with me yet. I don't want to falsely advertise them. Um, but we got we got some good episodes. You know, we've been we've yeah, been working. Stay on, tuned. Yeah, we've been working. I mean, right now, you know, most people have nothing but time to talk. So thankfully, uh, you know, most some of those people are giving us their time. But yeah, yeah, Dave, it's uh, it's been a long day. I've I've, yeah, I've, sure. I've personally had a very long day. And uh, yeah. I still got I still got to take my Sunday bubble bath. Uh, just kidding, guys. I don't, I don't fit in a tub anymore. Uh, and I also <laughs> got to catch up on Westworld. So uh, for this week's yeah, episode we- of the PWT cast, I've been Scrump. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of things to say. And so, well, we must bid you adieu. So until next time at the PWT's cast, goodbye and good night. Bang. Bang.